Uh, yes, that's right. I'm Bruce O. I am from Southern Maryland. Uh, I'm an alcoholic, uh, not necessarily in that order. My uh, home group is the Waldorf Group in Waldorf, Maryland. We meet on Wednesday and Saturday nights at 8.30, currently on Zoom. But uh, we also had a real-world meeting before that, and we expect to return someday. Um, my sobriety date is uh, February 19th of 2014. I have a sponsor. He's actually speaking after me. Um, and uh, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, be of service here. Um, I, uh, I always felt alone as a child. Uh, I had no reason to feel that way. I had two loving parents. I have a younger brother. Um, I have a, a distinct memory of um, I have a distinct memory of sitting at a little league uh, pizza party. Uh, I was probably ten, and we were at a at a pizza place. And I sat like with my back to the wall, like I always did, so nobody could sneak up on me. And I um, I was convinced that all the children there who talked to me and who were my friends only did that because their mother said, "Oh, you should be polite to that boy," or because the coach told him to. I was convinced that I had no worth or value. I wouldn't have put it in those words then, but I had no worth or value for anybody to want to interact with me because everybody's outsides did not seem like the way I felt inside at all. Um, that follows me through uh, my, my early school life, uh, my interactions with, with other kids. I never really developed true relationships with any of them. Uh, and if I did, I don't think I wouldn't have known how to maintain them at the time anyway. It wasn't something I came to naturally. I, uh, I, I get to, you know, 12, 13 years old. I start stealing alcohol from inside the house. Uh, my parents, I wouldn't call them an alcoholic, either of them. Um, but at the time, I did believe that my father was. And, uh, and that, that, I carried a little bit of that with me all the way through. I started stealing alcohol, like I said. Uh, eighth grade, we went on a uh, spring break kind of trip. Um, it was a small group of us, and I'm the only one who brought alcohol. Uh, so uh, I drank it all and didn't tell anybody, you know, alcoholic from day one. And, um, you know, I, I acted like I was drunk because I was drunk. And uh, most of the people were confused by that. You're like, what is what is going on with this guy? Needless to say, um, I didn't hang out with them after that, right? Because I was embarrassed. I was full of guilt and shame. Uh, somehow, um, and I, I, it's only the guiding hand of God, somehow I graduated high school. And I was able to uh, – I actually uh, – I, I filled a, a scouting program as well, uh, which really – stood me well to really launch me into a a young adulthood of success but i frittered it all away i um i wound up in in southern georgia uh to help my parents out while they uh were moving i mean i, I had grown up in west philly um i used to greet people with yo uh and i still do sometimes if they catch me by surprise or i get or i do get you know a little upset as i i am prone to sometimes um but then, you know, here I am an outcast in southwest Georgia, and I wanted nothing more than the return back to where I came from. And circumstances prevailed, a natural disaster, and I got stuck kind of where I was at. Um, I joined 
I got in trouble with drinking. I got in trouble with drinking over and over. 20, I got my first DUI. Decided I needed a geographic change. And I, uh, I hop on a plane and I enlist in the Navy and because uh, it's the country's most sober of the branches of the military. I don't know if you know that or not, because they always have songs about drunken soldiers and drunken Marines. No, it's drunken sailors, isn't it? So that's what happened. I don't, something deep in my subconscious was working there. I wound up uh, getting in trouble there, too, but I, I finished almost nine years in the service. Um, and I learned how to be a dry drunk in between port visits because we're not supposed to drink on board the ship. Although I, I won't say that that didn't happen sometimes. I, um, I get out of the Navy and I, I have at that point in time a wife. We wind up having kids and um, I am still ripping and running as hard as possible. I am a binge drinker at this point and I finally get, you know, after reckless driving charges and DUIs and, you know, uh, pleading out and all kinds of stuff. I finally get like, what's going to be the, the DUI that puts me in jail. And that's what I, that day, that next morning is the day I wind up going to Alcoholics Anonymous. I, uh, I had to get my car at an impound. I had to call the, you know, I had to call my manager to come pick me up for work. Uh, he drove me to the impound yard. Um, I was standing at that point. I was hopeless demoralization. I didn't know what to do. All I know is I didn't want to die. I was reaching the point every morning where I would wake up and say, oh, man, this crap again. I wish I had not opened my eyes this morning. And I didn't want to feel that way anymore, which is really why I was drinking at that point. I went to a meeting, and I heard a bunch of people talk about um, – I, I called the 1-800 number, and thank God there was somebody there to answer that number. Uh, he knew exactly where I was and where I needed to go. He told me there was a meeting in an hour. Can I not drink between now and then? I went to that. Uh, I heard a bunch of people talking about how their life, um, how their life was a constant negotiation with their higher power, how nothing was absolute, how they always just tried, and that was what is important. And you know, as long as they didn't take a drink, it was a win. And I was like, you know what? I can actually probably get behind that because I was a man of absolutes. If I couldn't do it perfectly, I wouldn't do it at all. And so what wound up happening to me was I got a lot of hope that night. I hope that I had probably never had my entire life. And, uh, you know, I had the courage to, after that meeting, call my wife and tell her exactly what had happened, that I had been arrested. And this is what was going on. And, you know, she hadn't heard her bags. She had her bags back, but she hadn't left. Um, my kids went the other way when I came home. Um, my house was in foreclosure. My car wasn't even in my name. Um, and now I had to blow into it to get it started. Um, that's what I brought in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was just desperate. I was just desperate. I just didn't want to feel like I was going to die anymore. And so I met a man that night. And uh, he stood in front of me. And between me and the bathroom, I drank like four cups of coffee that night. Didn't introduce myself as a newcomer. Little did I know it was the same like 15 people who meet every Monday or every Wednesday night there. You know, but of course, you know, I, I was clever and I'm smarter than the rest. So... Uh, this guy stood in front of me, and, and I, I was so scared and desperate that I wouldn't even like, hey, man, I got to go to the bathroom. Like I stood there and listened to him talk, and he told me his life story. Like I didn't even ask him. He just told me. He's like, oh, well, you know, he's telling me about drinking, and he's talking to me about, you know, like I don't want to ruin his story, but you know, he's talking about federal time, and he's talking about, you know, happened, you know, being there for his family, and I was like, what? I don't even understand, but you know what it convinced me was that, you know, this guy did some stuff, and he seems okay. He seems okay now. 
So maybe I can do that. Maybe I can be okay. That's the dose of hope I got. That's what stuck. And that's why I kept coming. Now, I didn't call him back for another two weeks. He gave me his phone number. I didn't call him for like two weeks. But in two weeks, I was convinced I was dead. I was convinced I was going to die. And I, I, would, I, I had to do anything, anything to make that stop. Now, a few years later, um, I live a life with that, uh, that, you know, a drink isn't attractive anymore. I know, uh, for one thing, I, I, I know, understand, and accept that I'm powerless over alcohol. And I know that there will be no refuge in that drink. It will bring only hate, misery, discontent, and all the other things that uh, make me want to die. And I don't want to die. I have a life I want to live for now. One of the hardest questions I had years ago was, where do you see yourself in five years? And I'd be like, I'm not even sure what I'm doing next week. Like, it's not even like a question of like, what am I planning? But I literally couldn't imagine life any longer than what was in front of me or my next drink. And now I live a life that is far, far greater. The steps got me through that. I had to do a lot of, uh, I had to do a lot of inventory, you know? I got to do the inventory. I still have some nine step stuff hanging out there that I need to take care of. Um, my sponsor met in the program now. And I couldn't have done any of that without a sponsor. I needed somebody to coach me, right? He's not my dad. He's not my boss. You know, he's somebody who loves me enough to tell me what's right for me, what's, what's best for me, and not what I want to hear. And thank God for that. If I, had a, if I had a sponsor who patted me on the back and said, oh, it's okay. Try again next time. You know, I would have blown him off. I wouldn't have kept coming. I wouldn't have done this stuff. I wouldn't have done the hard work it took. And it is hard work, but it's so worth it. And it's still the easier, softer way. It's harder to stay out in the world trying to manage the unmanageable. I am incredibly grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm incredibly grateful for the gift that I've been given of my sobriety, the fact that I get to show up for other people. And if you had said to me six months ago, even, hey, man, you're going to be leading a meeting on a video teleconferencing system, I would have not believed you. I would have laughed hysterically, but then on top of that, you know, have it be California. You know, I actually had the opportunity to lead in uh, the Netherlands a couple months ago, and that was amazing uh, because I did it sitting in the same chair I'm sitting in now. And um, to have these opportunities, I'm going to leave you with this. It says in our book that when they talk about the religious, to see where they are right and use, was it see see where they quickly see where the religious are right and use what they offer. Well, I've dropped the religious part of that, and I just see quickly where other people are right, and I use what they offer. You know, these physical meetings aren't what they used to be. You know, the, these, these virtual meetings aren't, aren't the physical meetings, but they're a damn sight better than what they could be, you know, and they're, they're a heck of a lot better than not participating at all. By being here, I get to be of service, and I thank you so much for that opportunity. That's it. Thanks for sharing. All thanks, right. Bruce. Thanks.